Hi friends and welcome to Annie's Pink Chair where we bring real raw relevant issues to the table from a woman's perspective with wit and wisdom. I'm so happy that you're joining us today. I have a very special guest that's actually ready to talk about her story and I've known her for many years and actually I met her at a Joyce Meyer conference in person for the first time, but I had known about her because she wrote a book that totally changed my life. And I want to introduce to you my friend Judy, and I will tell you a little bit about her because there's so much to say, right? When you know someone and you know their story, it's like you never can do it justice. But I'll just give you a little introduction. Judy Lamborn was born on August 12th, 1966 in Los Angeles, California to a young single mother. The woman was immediately faced with the harsh reality that if she chose to keep this baby, the infant would inevitably be raised in their family business, a local bar on Hollywood Boulevard. With her own father's health failing and knowing she would be saddled with the responsibility of managing the family business, this brave young woman made the painstaking decision to place her baby girl for adoption with the hope that this sacrifice would provide a better opportunity for her to live a full and happy life. Well, you guys, as you know, sometimes <laughs> when you're born in a situation like that, life doesn't turn out what we always think it will. Like we want our lives to be perfect. And I want my friend Judy to tell you the rest of the story. Judy, welcome to Pink Chair. I am so excited that you're here and that you're gonna share today. And I can even say, hey, I'm talking to a pastor, right? Like God is literally taking you from point A and I don't wanna say Z because e is the end, Z is the end of our life, right? And right. just, made your life this beautiful victory march. That's all I can say. So who yeah. are you? Who are you, Judy? Oh, I'm so much happier than I was of that little girl that you were just talking about. So yeah, I was born to a single mom and adopted into what, if you were to look at my family from the outside, you would say, wow, that's amazing. A mom and a dad, a little boy and a little girl, Southern California in the mid 60s, materialistically, we had everything. Um, but behind closed doors, unfortunately, it was a very different story. So my upbringing involved a lot of abuse, um, verbal abuse, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, a lot of physical abuse. And when I became old enough, sexual abuse, and that was my upbringing, even though church on Sunday was mandatory. Everybody thought we were the perfect family on the outside. But so, I mean, I grew up knowing about Jesus, loved Jesus, went to Sunday school, understood all of that, but it was just not modeled in an authentic way in my house. It was more like a Sunday social club, just something that we did on Sunday. Mom and I wore matching dresses. She sang in the choir. My dad ran the soundboard, you know, but it there was nothing at home that represented a life being lived and led by the Lord. So... As a young person, when you're living with that kind of abuse on a regular basis, there's a lot that begins to fester in your heart. I was exposed to pornography at 12 years old, and wow. that ended up shaping what I thought women were supposed to be. I wanted to be popular. I wanted to be pretty. I wanted to be confident. And those women looked like that. 
and it it was the beginning of the spiral. When I graduated from high school, I went to college. That's where I had my first beer, smoked my first cigarette, found my I first I wanted to boyfriend. say something, Judy. The, yeah. When you said those women in pornography looked confident, mm -hmm. like, isn't that what the world thinks? They think yeah. that to be in pornography, it's like empowering and it's strength and it's courage. And it's like, you're a fierce woman now because you are a model mm. in pornography, right? But yeah. you, you yeah. thought that at 12 years old, like, th what are we supposed to think? Right, exactly. I looked at them and it looked like they were desirable. It looked like they were exactly what I needed to be because inside I was starved for attention, the right mm -hmm. kind of attention. And they were getting and attention most, and I thought, well, most are, most are. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And so you do what you can to get attention. So when I finally got out of the house, the first opportunity that I got flushed my virginity right down the toilet with the first boyfriend that I had. But see the way that I was raised? The first person you have sex with, you have to marry them. Wow. And I was like, oh, crap. I don't want to. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> you know, so I, I didn't end up marrying that man. Um, yeah, it was it was a really dysfunctional upbringing, um, ended up leaving my little town in, in Iowa, which is where we ended up. When I was 10 years old, we left Los Angeles. We moved back to the Midwest because my parents thought Southern California is getting way too crazy to raise kids. So I went from LA to suburban, uh, suburban LA to farm town in Iowa that was five miles from the closest neighbor. So, and we had every animal you could think of. I mean, it was just oh, I love nuts. It. And it was nuts. It was I like love Dr. <laughs> Doolittle. <laughs> Country girl. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. But yeah, it was total culture shock. But, you know, we adjusted. I loved it. So after college, um, I don't know. You, I mean, you understand this. There was something on the inside of me that was driving me. Like, Judy, there's more to life than small town yeah. Iowa. Yeah. Like, there's, yeah, there's so an much engine. more. There's an engine oh, yeah. in like your heart and your soul. It's like, go, 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 do it, yeah, do yeah. it, do it. Absolutely. And you like, hear it, you, you're like, okay, okay, you know? Yeah. So I, I packed up everything I knew and uh, off to California I went when I was very, very young. I think it was around 1989. I drove across the country by myself, got into California, and guess what I found out? It's so expensive to live there. Mm. So I got a job, but I needed a second one. I answered an ad in the paper said cocktail waitress. I said, I can do that. I've been a cocktail waitress before. I've been a waitress. I know how to do that. So I got to the bar and I promise you, I did not know it was a topless bar. I had no, I'm from Iowa, remember? Okay. So I walk in this <laughs> bar and I think, oh dear, I've never been in a place like this before, but here's the justification. It's like, okay, I'm not going to be one of those girls. I'm just going to be a cocktail waitress. That's okay. Right. 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 So I'm working there three weeks. I'm watching those dancers, Annie, and I'm seeing how hard they're not working and how much money they are making and, and how glamorous it looks right on. And I'm working my butt off as a cocktail mm -hmm. waitress and I'm seeing how much money I'm not making. Right. I looked at them and I looked at me and I was like, Psh. so I went on down to the the vice squad, the police department, you know, you got to get a license. And I got my license to be a dancer in San Diego, California. So wow. that's where Pepper was born. 
They gave me a stage name. Oh, you know, you got to have Pepper. a stage name. Pepper. Yeah. Was there yeah. a reason? Okay, and everyone, you might not know this, but what Judy <laughs> was just saying, when you are in the sex industry, it's kind of like Hollywood in a way. It mirrors yeah. Hollywood because Hollywood, they don't always use their real names. Say, for instance, Norma Jean was mm -hmm. Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. So yeah. Judy was Pepper. So Pepper. What was behind that name? Do you remember the show? Do you remember the TV show Pepper? She was a female detective, Angie Dickinson. Oh my it's, gosh, I probably... love Angie Dickinson. No, I, wait what? a minute. What was the name of that show? It was a... I, um, police woman. Police, police woman? woman. That was yes. Oh my gosh. Let's see how old we are. Oh yes. I remember that show. <laughs> police woman. Angie Dickinson. Yeah. I yes. love her. Yeah. 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 That's why I chose the name Pepper and it has mm. an interesting story and an interesting end That's to it. That's funny. She's a police woman and you liked her name Pepper. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But you know what happens when Pepper was born, Judy kind of took a back seat. That's right. You become Get in the back. Pepper. You're just a little girl. Get out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you became nobody Pepper. Wants, nobody wants you. Nobody wants you. Nobody's attracted to you, but everybody loves Pepper. Pepper was the cool chick. She was the most popular dancer. She introduced all the dancers to the athletes and the actors that came into the bar. She was that chick who could play pool in between sets with a cigarette hanging out of her mouth and do wild turkey shots and beer chasers with the best of them. She was that chick. And that attention, man, I got drunk on it. I was, I mean, I, mm. I got drunk on it. And, but it was finally, I was thinking, I have tapped into why I was born. I was born to be Pepper. I mean, right. I quit my day job. I didn't need to work it during the day anymore. I was making so much money. I'd right. never seen so much money in all my life. So I noticed something about the rest of the dancers, though. They were all super skinny. I wasn't skinny. I was grew up in Iowa. I was a, you know, I was a strong girl. But I found out why they were all so skinny. In between sets, all of them would go in the back and they were doing this thing called crystal meth. Now, mm. I had never heard of that before in my life. I'd heard about pot, heard about cocaine, never got involved in any of that stuff because I just didn't like, I didn't want to be labeled. I, I didn't want people, you know, like drug addicts. When you think about drug addict, right. no, you're not going to label me. Even exactly. though I smoke two packs of cigarettes a day, don't ever call me a smoker. Don't label me, right? Don't tell me I'm a topless dancer because that has a negative connotation to it. So I thought these girls and I was like, ah, I'm not into drugs at all. But someone introduced me to it. And the first time I tried it, I was hooked. And my wow. life became meth, alcohol, mm. cigarettes, men. I dated all of the men in the bar and it just became my life. But just like Iowa got boring, San Diego got boring. I mean, it got boring. I'm How sleeping with the owner. San Diego get boring? I mean, it just, they have because beaches it's there. That, I know. <laughs> I never went to the beach. All I did was dance and drink. Dance, drink, and party. And sleep during and the day. Drugs. Wow. Well, maybe, sometimes. Sometimes. But it got boring. Yeah. I mean, it just right. got boring. And I was like, you know what? San Diego's old. I need something better. I know what I'll do. I'm going to go to Vegas. Vegas uh -oh. never sleeps. Vegas has got to be more interesting than San Diego. And so wow. I quit my job. Actually, I got fired from my job, but I uh, packed up everything I could in a car and I headed to Vegas. I found a bar to dance in and I found a, a, a connection for my meth, for my dope habit. And we started living. I mean, there was a group of us that went. And, you know, when you're a dancer, a lot of times you get hired to do private parties. 
And so one night we were hired to do a private party and they put a bunch of us girls in a limo and we started driving. And we were driving and driving and too long. We were driving too long and I was getting nervous. Now you wow. gotta remember, Pepper was always in control of everything. I told everybody what to do, where to go, when to be there, and I was the one always in charge. And so I wanted to know what is going on with, you know, blankety blank, 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 this limo better get where it needs to be going. (laughs) Right, right. So finally, finally, the limo stops and we get out. And Annie, I, when I got out, I saw nothing but desert and it was night and I saw the outline of mountains and I thought, this is it. This is where I'm going to die. They're going to rape us. They're going to kill us. And no one is ever going to know where my body is. This is it. This is how you go out, Pepper. And I, I'm immediately trying to make a plan. How am I going to get out of here? And we turned around and there was a house. And I was like, oh, thank God. This party and the people coming to this party must be, I mean, who can it be? We had to go this far out of town. We had to be these, this secretive about where we were going. So we walk in this house and it's so weird. It's like a souvenir shop. And I'm like, this ain't no souvenir shop. What's really going on? And this old man comes out and he looks like Colonel Sanders. And I'm like, what the blankety blank is going on? Yeah. So he's looking at us and he was almost like looking at us like, which one did he want to buy? You know, and I'm like, I'm, I'm upset. I'll say it. I'm upset by now. And I'm like, get me that. I want to get out of here. This is a bunch of, you know, and uh, the, the old man looks at me and he could tell I was upset. And he goes, do you know where you're at? And I said, yes. You know, and I was mad. And he goes, you're at a brothel. I'm like, what the blankety blank is a brothel? And he laughed at me. He's like, it's a whorehouse, honey. This is a brothel. It's a house of prostitution. I'm like, oh, heck no. I'm not into hookers. Absolutely not. I'm a dancer. <laughs> my name is Pepper. I don't, I do don't that kind of sell stuff. myself. I'm, that's right. I am not a hooker. I will draw the line at that. Hookers wow. to me were nasty. Hookers to yeah. me were the bottom. They were the bottom dwellers. I had a lot more class than that. And he told me, he said, listen, I'll make you a deal. You stay with me for one week. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. And if you don't make more money than you've ever seen in your life, I'll take you back to Vegas myself. Well, that put me back in control. So I said, you got yourself a deal. He was right. I stayed there for one week and I was the youngest girl in the house. There were three other women and we took turns as the Johns would come to the gate. We had to buzz them in. And because I was the youngest, they always chose me. And I made more money, Annie, yeah. in one week than yeah. I'd ever seen in my life. Right. And I right. thought, this is it. This is the life. Mm. I could go into Vegas whenever I want, put myself up in the trap. I went on shopping sprees. I did all kinds of stuff. Had a hookup for my dope. They came out to the brothel and delivered it. Until one night, I, I started not feeling good. And the next day, I went into the, the little town there in Pahrump and went to the grocery store. And I got a pregnancy test. And they found out I was <gasps> pregnant. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, wow. what am I going to do now? I'm a meth addict. I'm a prostitute. I'm an alcoholic. I don't even know who the father is. And the owner's wife said to me, she said, oh, honey, don't worry about it. Just be ready tomorrow. I'm going to take you into town. We'll take care of this little problem. And sure enough, she drove me into town the next day. And they, it, as I remember it, it was a, a concrete block building that had no windows. And did, uh, did you go to Vegas to get that to, to go? Mm-hmm. Was it Dr. Meager? I don't know. I don't remember a lot because I was yeah. always high. I yeah. went into this clinic. I remember the front window. I remember the lady looking at me. I remember them strapping me to a table. And when I woke up, I wasn't pregnant anymore. 
Right. And I remember them saying to me, you have to be flat on your back for two weeks. And I was up that night working again. I didn't care. I just didn't care. Yeah, because you, you literally could you bleed to death if you, uh, you know, and obviously we never took directions. I've had, uh, I probably went to the same place you did because you said yeah. no windows. There were no windows in, in the front of it. And it was white brick, mm -hmm. white brick. I it bet. Actually was Plant Parenthood where I went. So. Wow. Hi friends, it's Annie Lobert from Annie's Pink Chair and I am actually on location at our nonprofit ministry called The Destiny House. And do you feel and see the presence that's going on here? The peace, the calmness, the comfort, the beautiful grass, the trees. This is what each woman comes to when she enters our Destiny House program for sex trafficking victims. Would you please consider partnering with us monthly or just send us a one-time donation? Just go to our website at hookersforjesus.net and click on donate. And listen, your donation goes to a good cause. T tell me, because yeah. I, I, would, I, I swear we probably need so much more time, so we'll have to definitely have you come back on. But I want to get to that part where you, what happened, like, We've literally got like seven minutes left. The Jesus okay. thing came. Yeah. And girl, there's so much more to your story, but go for it. <laughs> okay. So the night before the abortion, I laid on my bed and of all people, I began to talk to God because I remembered going to church every Sunday as a little girl. And I was like, okay, if I haven't screwed my life up to the point where you can't do something with it, will you please help me? And two weeks later, uh, there was a John that came in and there was something about this guy. There was something about this guy that and he, I just couldn't take advantage of him. You know, he had the same sob story everybody else did. My wife left me. I'm getting a divorce, blah, blah, blah. But I just couldn't take advantage of him. I was tired of the brothel. I was tired of the drugs. I was tired of the alcohol. I was, I, I was feeling so guilty from the abortion because Annie, I mean, I had... I prided myself on not having broken all the Ten Commandments. Even in that stage of my life, I knew them, but I had never murdered anybody. But once I had the abortion, I knew that I was going to lose those bragging rights. Right. And it was in that pit that I cried out to God, if you can do something, do something. And he answered me right there. Hmm. A couple of weeks after, um, this particular John called me and asked me if I would come visit him in Pennsylvania. I left. I left Vegas. I gave the the owner, my word that I would come back. And I knew when I left that if, if I didn't quit this lifestyle, I was going to die. And I asked the Lord to help me get out. And he did. I went back two weeks later, I stood true to my word. And I, I told the owner, I can't do this anymore. It was almost like a veil came off wow. and I couldn't stand myself anymore. And I said, God, get me out of here. Get this. My drug dealer drove me to the airport. I handed her my last quarter bag of meth and I said, I'm not going to need this anymore. You take it. I know now that God instantaneously delivered me from my meth addiction because I never touched mm. it again. Wow. And while I was on that plane going to Pennsylvania, I was making decisions. I want to go back to church. God, I need your help. I don't want to live like this anymore. There's got to be more to life than that. And he answered me right there, right there in the brothel. He was there with me in the abortion clinic. 
He was there with right. me when I said, I got to get out of here. And that's, to me, that's the miracle of my life. Like some people think that God would never, God would never go to a brothel. You want to make a bet? God would never be in an abortion clinic. You want to make a bet? He yes. was, and he is. And they, they would lose the that reason. bet. Yeah, they would. They, because they would he, lose it. He, yeah, he would. And that's, that's the, that's the story in a nutshell. You're right. There's a lot more to it, but the I know. Lord you have has to come just on. been, yeah. Girl, the, you're, he, you're doing so much things right now, mm -hmm. like for God now. And so you ended up, and I'll just say it, you started working for Joyce Meyer Ministries, you and your husband. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For how many years did you work there? We moved to St. Louis in 1998. 1998. I started in the phone department, ended up working in the executive office, and then eventually I managed the conference department. And ultimately, I was the family life pastor at the St. Louis Dream right. Center. And I've yeah. seen the uh, St. Louis Dream Center, and it's a wonderful yeah. place. Yeah. Wow. What a, what, a, what a joy to be able to be in those positions. And then you started working for, what's the name of the place? I, it was Open Gate International. Yeah, okay. Open Gate International is a nonprofit organization that's dedicated to helping vulnerable people, like human trafficking survivors, domestic violence survivors, people coming out of prison. We did vocational training and life skills to help them start life on their own terms as they're, right. they're done with their rehab and they're reintegrating into society. So now you are, you prayed about it, right? And mm -hmm. God's moving you to something yeah. totally brand new. Yeah. You've paid your dues, yeah. girl. I have to say, you have paid your dues. You have so much anointing and knowledge now. So tell me what you're doing right now, Judy. Because I, so I see behind your shoulder, there's your book. Yes, if anyone's yes. interested, it's called From, From Vegas, Vegas to Victory. To Victory. Yeah. And yeah. then I see Good Morning Abba. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. Good morning, Abba is my newest devotional. It's getting ready. It'll be ready on uh, Amazon pre-release very soon. Intimate conversations with God. Not too long ago, the Lord asked me if I would be willing to talk about our private conversations and I would be willing to reveal to the world my relationship with him. And I wasn't exactly thrilled because you talked <laughs> about vulnerability and, and uh, I mean, I'm raw with God. It is. I mean, he saved my life. There's nothing I won't do for him and whatever he asked me to do, I'll do. And so he asked me to record those conversations and it ended up being a 52 week devotional that is specifically developed so that people can deepen their intimacy level with God right, and get to know right. him as their heavenly father. So it'll be ready soon. I'm excited about it. And there's four other projects that are right on their tail. So wow. yeah, God and has me. Where busy. can people find you? Like what, where yep, can they I have go a to, website. to follow you? Okay. Mm -hmm. You can go to www.judylamborn.com. Although I know people don't use www anymore, but judylamborn.com. That's can get right. A hold Judy Lamborn. That's right. <laughs> and then also you're on Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So At what Judy are you on Okay. And what about, are you on Twitter? Yep. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter, LinkedIn, um, developing Twitch, all of them. I'm on Gab. I'm on all of them. Rumble. Um, just trying to keep on, on top of all those platforms as much as yeah, we can. There's too many, but I want everyone to I encourage everyone to follow her because she says wonderful things every day and she's very inspiring and encouraging. And from survivor to survivor, one last thing, Judy, um, I believe even though you might not have thought this, but your vulnerability led you to actually be trafficked, right? So I, I just really, 
-hmm. you know what, I commend your bravery and your, your willingness to share, but also, you know, the guts that you had to leave and just drop everything and listen to God's voice. And this is what I said to you the other day. I love the fact that you serve, you served Mm -hmm. Joyce Meyer Ministries, the other, uh, oh my gosh, the name of the ministry you just said. Open Gate International. Open Gate International. Mm -hmm. With a full heart, you cannot find that in leaders. It's kind of a rare thing nowadays. So I believe you have so much to give back to someone like me, our listeners, our people that are watching right now as a leader you know, in Christ and also your life experience as a whole, like I'm going to be watching you and I'm going to be reading your stuff. So (laughs) I want to encourage all my friends out there to do the same thing. We love you and we thank you for coming on Pink Chair today, Judy. Okay. And we'll see you soon. Thank you, Annie. God bless you. You're welcome. Hi friends. Let me read you a little story. He who sold me a dream. Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Ecclesiastes 5, 7. The Skyway Lounge in downtown Minneapolis was a happening strip joint. Slick businessmen in fancy suits strolled in for lunch and after work, ties loosened, money rolling. The tips were great, the best in the area. And the dancers lined up to work at this place. I was lucky to be a regular. One Saturday night, I was dancing to Prince's Kiss, giving some special customers a little glimpse of skin, when in walked a man who caught my attention. The bright lights illuminating the catwalk stage couldn't distract me from how gorgeous he was. A cross between a young Billy Dee Williams and Denzel Washington, he wore a gray tweed suit and pointy loafers. He walked confidently, light and smooth, his jerry curl pulled back in a sleek ponytail. Yes, that was the introduction to my boyfriend turned pimp, sex trafficker in Las Vegas from Minneapolis. This is my book that I wrote and also on audio in my voice. It's called Fallen Out of the Sex Industry and Into the Arms of the Savior. You can go to hookersforjesus.net and click on the book and order it. You guys, listen, everyone needs to get educated on sex trafficking and how traffickers coerce and use their looks, their romantic intentions, and how they groom victims into becoming victims of trafficking eventually and tied into these sex trafficking wings where they cannot escape and actually could lose their life trying. So I'd love you to read my book. Go to hookersforjesus.net and click on it and enjoy and let me know what you think. Give us a rating and comment on Amazon. Thank you. Hi friends, it's Annie Lobert from Annie's Peak Chair and I am actually on location at our nonprofit ministry called The Destiny House. And do you feel and see the presence that's going on here, the peace, the calmness, the comfort, the beautiful grass, the trees, This is what each woman comes to when she enters our Destiny House program for sex trafficking victims. I'm Nikki, I'm the Education Outreach Coordinator. Um, I've seen girls come in here 
and just broken, just in need of something. And we give them a gift box when they first arrive, and then the look on their face, because their traffickers taken everything from them, the look on their face is just amazing and precious. And just watching them grow in Christ throughout their journey here is incredible. Would you please consider partnering with us monthly? Or just send us a one-time donation. Just go to our website at hookersforjesus.net and click on donate. And listen, your donation goes to a good cause. And it's tax deductible. Thank you so much.